0: so uh this episode is uh stone number four it's about stone stone number four and I'm titling the fear of the Lord remember the stones are from, uh, I'm using those as an example from Isaiah 6210 you know stones in the road that need to be removed things that are hindering uh, the followers of Jesus in this country and so this is one of them There were two initiations in biblical history in which the presence of the living God was profoundly manifest. The first one was when Israel began the process of taking her promised land. And as this began, Yahweh told Joshua the following, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey. He said some more things, but that phrase is important. It produces the fear of the Lord. Be careful to obey. Do what I'm telling you to do. At its core, the taking of the land is going to be a holy endeavor. Why? Because Yahweh Himself was going to be manifest among them. See Joshua 5 13 through 15. And by the way, I find that little passage interesting. It's kind of ironic that the Three incarnate Joshua or Jesus, as we know him. the son of uh, David is encountering Joshua, son of Nun. <laughs> Anyways, okay, that, I find that interesting. Uh, at any rate, in, in preparation for them taking uh, the, the land, they were to consecrate themselves, Joshua chapter three. This consecration wasn't wasn't in preparation for battle. It was for being in the midst of the presence of holy God. Thus the warning, be careful to obey. For the living God is holy, and he cannot dial down his holiness. Holy is what he is. All of his other attributes are based upon his holiness. So even his love is holy love. It's not humanistic. It's not compromising. Well, Everything begins very well. The walls of a formidable citadel came crumbling down without Israel having to shoot a single shot. <laughs> that that's, had to have been pretty awesome. However, one person whose name we would never have known if it weren't for what he did and the consequences that befell him and his family did one seemingly insignificant thing the Holy God forbade. He kept a little of the junk of Jericho. And like Adam and Eve, it wasn't merely that Achan disobeyed the Holy God, but that he hid his sin. Holy God is when you be merciful, but not when you hide it. You see, the Holy God was right there, he was actually present among them. Thus, he cannot, as in being unable, allow even a tiny act of sin, not even for love. It's not that Yahweh is being mean in what he commanded to be done to Achan and his family. It's that anything unholy must be purged, for the Lord is holy. Unless one might think this is Old Testament-ish. Let's jump to the second profound presence of the living God at the inauguration of the church, as recorded in Acts. Once again, the actual presence of the living, holy God is actually with them. Lots of wonderful things are happening as a result. And as these wonderful things are unfolding, Christians are experiencing the living God in such real ways that many of them begin to want to simplify their lives and to express kindness to others by selling their possessions and using the proceeds to help those who are in need. Remember, the Holy Spirit has been poured out. His presence, his holy presence is actually right there with them and in them. Well, in the midst of all their personal sacrifice to help others, a couple, once again, two people we never would have known their names if it wasn't for what they did and what happened to them, sell some property. Maybe they didn't think it was that big of a deal to say they gave such and such amount when they actually kept a little bit for themselves. And yet Peter accused them of lying to the Holy Spirit, not to him or to the people, even though their pretense of being generous givers was in front of the people. Once again, Ananias and Sapphira are hiding what they're really doing with a little misinformation. What they did wasn't even all that bad, for it was their property. They had the right to keep some of the money from the sale that they wanted. It was their claim that they were giving more than they really did give that was untruthful. By today's standards, far worse things go on in individual lives than what these two people did. And yet, as a result of their charade, the Holy Spirit struck them both down. Again, not because he's being mean, but because he cannot dial down his holiness. The lesson and the point is this. When Jesus' presence is present, he is holy. But that is simply who and what he is. He cannot tweak this aspect of himself. Thus, there can be serious consequences to what people may consider to be little sins. It's not that he demands perfection, and he is willing to show mercy if a person is willing to confess his sins and repent. But in the midst of the actual presence of holy God, hidden sin can be dangerous and disastrous. This is what John wrote in his first letter. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, that is, the living God and humans. And the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and this word has no place in our lives. See, here we are, Christians in this country, we want the presence of Jesus, and yet we're in love with money, and we're in love with this and that, and we have all this compromise without a sin, just junk. And we think the Lord's going to show up. He's really kind of doing us a favor not showing up. Because if he does, a whole lot of people are going to drop dead. And notice that the result of Jesus dealing with his people like this was that the fear of the Lord, a critically important quality to have if one wants to know the bridegroom king deeply, swept through the newly birthed church. Look at Acts chapter 5 reminding the people that while the gift of eternal life is free, holiness is not optional. To have the presence of Jesus requires certain things from those who would be around him, namely holiness. Not perfection, but honest holiness. Some say that people stress grace while others stress works. The apostles stress both. Every writer than the letters that make up the New Testament address the non-negotiable importance of righteous living. Here's just one simple passage that James wrote. In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, in other words, words are cheap, actions matter, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith, your words, without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds, by the way I live. Paul said it like this. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before. Those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit it was love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. When you fear the Lord, that's what you want to do. Paul went on to say, again, still in the same letters of the Galatians. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please his flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. He also told the Christians in Rome, chapter 6, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Jesus of Nazareth expects his followers to become like him, to develop his character, and he is willing to provide the grace, that is, God's empowerment, to enable them to do that. For that is what, what biblical grace is, empowerment on the inside to be holy and power on the outside to do ministry with the anointing of the Spirit. But all this begins when a person is regularly pierced with the fear of the Lord. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and it is truly wise to seek to love Jesus with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength, and to show that love by obeying him. This is what the fear of the Lord produces.